0: To the Cloud Pod, where the forecast is always cloudy. We talk weekly about all things AWS, Google, and Azure. We are your hosts, Justin, Jonathan, and Peter. Episode
1: 12, recorded on February 26, 2019. SpotInst yet to announce the
2: partnership with the Cloud Pod.
1: Hey guys, how's it going tonight? Great. Hey. Are uh, any of you guys
2: drinking uh, tasty beverages tonight? I am. I admit it, and I didn't wait for this to start either. Uh, it, uh, going with my old standby racer five
0: nice nice well in true english fashion i have a nice cup of tea and some homemade lemon cake
2: <laughs> oh nice i want lemon cake <laughs> ah,
1: i i did not have time to stop at the keg and so i'm just drinking water
2: right, so i'm the only one who has a excuse if i'm a little uh little slow tonight
1: <laughs> well it's been uh, another crazy week in cloud so let's uh, let's jump into the news So first, uh, Amazon has announced a new feature for Athena called Workgroups, which allows you to segment and isolate data from other users. This allows you to do a bunch of different things, like enforcing cost controls by creating data usage groups, allowing certain IAM groups to have access to certain data sets, and really a nice overall upgrade to the Athena project.
2: We've been relying on account partitioning, for a lot of people have, for either the uh cost control piece or security and and data isolation and that doesn't really work when if you're doing data lake stuff where everybody has to collaborate on the same data so that's the first thing i thought of when i saw this so well, i guess you, you have to do that without depending on account partitioning
0: i'm sure the healthcare advocates love this kind of thing now you no longer have uh, access to other work groups history of queries especially if you're querying on people's names or you know medical conditions and things like that.
1: I would like to see this actually start happening more and more with Amazon, where they start partitioning um, inside an account. While the multi-account strategy is great, um, there are definitely some limitations to it, especially when you do want to share data. You know, They did the shared VPC concept at reInvent. Um, now they have this. I, I definitely would like to see more in this area. Um, you know, I've been doing some of the Google classes, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Um, And, uh, you know, I was thinking about the project paradigm that they have in the Google CLI. And that's really nice segmentation that doesn't require me to have an account boundary or different API keys. I can just jump into one account and jump to a project that I want to do work in. Yeah, I I definitely like this direction. And I hope it's something that we can continue to see in services in the future.
2: Yeah, I always thought it was going to not even be necessary when they came out with like resource-based IAM. But that just never panned out as far as being able to get to the 100% level of partitioning. But maybe they'll get there.
1: Well, and it relies too much on you as the implementer of the IAM policy to understand those resource groups, right? And when you're relying on an engineer to do it properly, I think you end up in a situation where things get missed and now you're out of compliance and that becomes a bigger issue where the project boundary is enforced by Google and they automate that project boundary and it's, it's, part of their platform and something i don't have to think about if i'm in the project i know where i'm at yep um and so i think that's where the resource groups kind of failed us and it's definitely an area that there could be a lot of enhancements to make the resource groups more uh automated but definitely something that could be fixed in the future
0: yeah i guess the way iam has worked traditionally is you you can't manage you can't apply a policy to a new thing because that thing doesn't exist yet but at least with these workgroups now, you can you can create queries within workgroups and you can have you can have already set those policies before those queries ever get created.
1: Right, improvement in the IAM space would be great. Azure uh, has GA'd several new features for their uh, event grid product which is uh, I believe uh, like a managed Kafka-like uh, service. Um, the new features are dead lettering, configurable retry policies, storage queues as a destination, so you can send your data right to uh, blob storage, uh, hybrid connecting as a destination, and manual validation handshakes. Uh, so this is a nice improvement. Uh, it's definitely an area that if you're doing a lot of queuing type mechanisms, it's nice to have more than FIFO as your default option. And so I, I kind of like the idea of the lettering queue. What are you guys think about this one?
0: This is great. This really shows AWS up when it, when it comes to the serverless infrastructure. One of the big criticisms of Lambda has been this asynchronous invocations, and you know, you're know never sure if you're going to get invoked once or many times, and you have to build that into the code. So having the, the queue handle dead letters and later specified retry policies in a very transparent way is, is awesome.
2: Yeah, and the, to me, the one that stuck out was just the concept of doing local dev work when working on systems that are uh, that are leveraging some of these managed services, it, nobody ever thinks about that because they have their own environment on their laptop, and uh, and and then they get to this point where they have to test a portion, and and now they're they're sort of stuck. So that's pretty cool. Well,
1: it's also nice too, because with this you know the storage destination, if I can pass right to the blob object. Without having to do a Lambda handler in the middle, that's nice. I, I now eliminate that bit of complexity from my code. And now I have a, a durable storage mechanism for objects that were in my queue at one point. So if you need a backup solution for uh, your durable queue, or you need to make sure that your know, message is guaranteed, and then you can go back and audit it, it's a nice, nice feature overall. I think that's pretty slick. All right. Spot Instance has now announced a partnership with AWS. If you remember back in January, they announced a partnership with Google. So this is them doing the same thing with AWS. Um, this one was a little bit more interesting because they talked a lot about mutual uh, marketing and go-to-market strategies with AWS and where sales reps will be actually out there potentially pitching Spot Inst. Um which is maybe just the normal uh, partner network <laughs> press release. But uh, I definitely would be interested to see if, you know, we start hearing more about Spot Inst, uh, from our sales reps and, and this is something we start pushing really largely. Um, I would love for Amazon just to buy them <laughs> and then we don't have to worry about this problem anymore. But um, it's nice, nice improvement. I'm glad to see the Spot Inst, you know, getting in bed with Azure and Google and, and now a- Amazon and really trying to make that a really first class citizen of these platforms.
0: I'm wondering where they're going to go from here. Now they've got partnerships with the three big hyperscalers. Are we going to have SpotIns launching their own service where you tell them you want to run a workload and they tell you which cloud to run it in as well as which instance type on that particular cloud to run it in? I mean, it seems like they've opened up a great opportunity here for multi-cloud.
2: Yeah, maybe. Just-
1: it's actually really interesting, too, because one of the things about SpotIns is you end up you know, defining your infrastructure in the SpotIns console so they can handle the instantiation of the instances you could totally do arbitrage against the different pricing models of the different markets at any given time um, and then you know choose that place to run. But then you know you're still kind of in that lowest common denominator. How do you write a container or something that would be that flexible without having to have a bunch of if statements that you know if it's Amazon then do this. If it's GCP then do this and, and how do you deal with you know, stateful data? But um, yeah, it's an interesting idea. I first I thought you' were going to where they're going to go next and I was like I was going to tell you Oracle, but <laughs> your, your answer was much better than mine.
2: The multi-cloud aspect is pretty cool. I mean, all I could think of when you said that was RightScale uh, back in the day, forward-thinking company who maybe should be there today. Didn't didn't they just change
0: their name? They are now known as Flexera. Really? It sounds like a a drug for ED or something. (laughs)
1: so i didn't know and i saw it on twitter and, and my comment was so they went from a name that sort of made sense to a name that sounds like a dental torture device i don't <laughs> i don't exactly understand what they were thinking on that one uh but yeah i know they're now flexera they're not they're no longer uh, RightScale. scale so there you go
0: there you go so when i think of cloud i think of foghorn consulting foghorn has been around since 2008 They've been on the forefront of cloud enablement and have delivered powerful transformations for hundreds of clients from startups to Fortune 500, including highly regulated industries. They were early visionaries and practitioners of using code to automate infrastructure and operations to drive up cloud efficiencies while driving down costs. Terraform, Ansible, Jenkins, AWS… Asia, and GCP. Go to fogups.io/ slash thecloudpod to learn more about their FogOps services and sign up for a free, well-architected framework review.
1: Anyways, uh, so Google has been doing some thinking, and they've been thinking about federated identity. And so they have a new uh, proposal they're calling the Continuous Access Evaluation Protocol, or CAPE, as I like to call it. And I will trademark that later. This is primarily based on a PubSub access model. It's complementary to a federated identity or cert-based auth model. model. And using PubSub, you can basically have a server-side endpoint which can convey updated information about a session to interested parties. So if you're logged into multiple apps or infrastructure, um, it would actually notify back with the CAPE protocol that you are logged into that system. And So typically, in a typical federated SAML model, it's fire and forget. And once you're authenticated, the SAML provider has no idea about that. So this is an interesting idea. Definitely something they're embedding directly into GCP and is available in the GCP cloud now. And kind of also goes back to their what they're doing around VPNs and just-in-time provisioning. Of access, this is a nice, nice protocol. I'm excited to see where this starts going and if it becomes something really popular.
2: I was just going to ask if there some of the third party products already have proprietary versions of this?
1: Not that I know of. I mean, I've used Okta in the past. I've used uh, other Saml options from Microsoft. Um, I've never seen this uh, unless you know there's some type of API and a centralized dashboard. So you see this a lot of times in um, SaaS licensing monitoring solutions like. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of one, but it, you know they have this capability where they can show you that you know, hey, this user logged into that system and their session lasted so long, and they, they get that data out of the audit logs. Um, but they actually don't know if you're doing anything or not; they just know that you logged in and when you logged out. Well,
0: Saml has, al- has always had a back channel, so that so that you could you could forcibly invalidate sessions if you wanted to. So this this kind of thing has always been available. But I guess that what the Google implementation does is it standardizes the way in which individual components can talk to each other without the IDP really having to be there.
2: It looks like uh, Okta calls it continuous authentication. Oh, okay. So yeah, I mean, Google's making it a standardized protocol and going to make a feature that takes away that differentiator from a lot of the third-party providers.
1: Well, next up is for Quick Labs. Quick Labs, uh, which is actually owned by Google, has apparently has a great promotion going on right now that if you use Quick Labs to get certified by March 31st, in either associate cloud engineer professional data engineer professional cloud architect or professional cloud developer they will give you a free pass to google next uh, 2019. they also are offering you some discounts on the associate level test and the professional test and it does include one month free uh, access to quicklabs so you can take those courses Uh, and if you want to continue your education after that they do give you some additional discounts to companies like coursera um, this is a really nice thing. I actually started this earlier in the week, hence my comment about the ah. Google projects. <laughs> nice. uh, so I've been going through a couple of these. And I thought maybe i pick up my associate cloud engineer. I would like to get one. So a third of the way through the class, and uh, we'll see if I get enough knowledge out of this to uh, go get certified. I'll keep you posted.
2: How's the class so far?
1: Uh, pretty dry, but uh, you know it's interesting to see some of the more... you know minor details that i wouldn't have never necessarily looked at with my other experimentations with it so i think it's pretty good but um it starts out very very basic like here's the google cli and i'm like i, I got that i don't need that level but uh you know once you get to kind of like the third or fourth module it's, it's not too bad there's definitely some interesting things i picked up and some
0: chips and tricks how is how is the quick labs experience now has google changed it since they acquired quick labs
1: quick labs never has had the greatest ui and so they adopted The Google color schemes and the Google button schemes that you see in Google Mail. Um, So Depending on how you feel about that, it's either a plus or a negative. I don't know. Uh, to me, it's it's kind of the same, and it's a little bit easier to actually start a lab and access your content. They still don't really have a good split-screen solution, so you could have you know the course content on the left and the console on the right. They don't really have a good solution for that, so it is a little bit difficult to do on my laptop, um, but on my multi-screen setup, it's, it's really easy to handle. Just put one on the right and one on the left and just run through it. You just pay for the test, or are you also paying for the class? So some of the classes, um, you know, it, it says that you get a one-month free access to Quick Labs with this. I already had an account, so I didn't get that option. I had to buy some credits. Um, but I think if you don't have a Quick Labs account, I think you get the first month free, and that includes any class you take in that first month. Actually, one of the things I forgot about that just came to mind. So because they're owned by Google and they have a tight integration with Google Cloud, they actually have the ability as you're going through the steps. it. so let's say it says spin up an instance, and have it running in the console. You know, once you do that step, they actually there's a box in the checklist that says check to see if you did it properly. And so you hit this button and it calls the APIs and validates that you created the instance in the way they said you were supposed to. And then it comes back and says you did it properly. Oh, cool. Um, which is kind of a neat, neat enhancement, actually. So that is a big change that I had not seen before from them. And so I think that's a, a nice improvement.
2: Excellent. I should check that out. That's a pretty legit um, offer too. I mean, that's giving away real value to get people in that ecosystem.
1: Well, you know, they talk about certifications on the Amazon side being a big driver of adoption of Amazon. It's a big, uh, it potentially has a big salary boost tied to it if you have one of these. So, you know, if you get more people Google certified and more aware of the platform, then maybe they'll choose Google as their cloud provider in the next job they're in or in the job they're currently in. It's not a bad play by them. And again, they own it. So it's just marketing dollars at this point. I don't don't think they'll do the same thing for reInvent, though, unfortunately. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so Azure has announced spatial anchors for collaboration of mixed reality apps for Hololens. Um, so if you, the way I could describe this is think Minority Report, uh, and think about you know the three of us standing in a circle around an object, and we're able to with our Hololens be able to manipulate that in 3D space um, digitally. So if you wanted to take uh, the Death Star and explode it out, you could use hand motions to do that. You could interact with it, and it's it's really nice. Um, augmented reality platform ability but these anchors in real life um, are really the key thing to make the whole thing work and so you can be multi-user and this is all supported through the Azure cloud now so you can build your AR applications for HoloLens define your anchors there and then run it uh, whatever type of session you're using if you happen to own a HoloLens which I don't um, but if I did this would be really cool I don't know anybody who owns a HoloLens I I don't know if you know if they're selling them technically yet
2: (laughs) I've been in infrastructure and operations my whole career but if I was ever going to get to the app application layer this is what i would want to do it seems so cool
1: it does seem really cool i i you know all the um, you know we have an oculus go and i know jonathan has a rift and you know the vr experience is is cool and it's fun but you know the ability to overlay real life with computer that's that's always been my dream of sci-fi and all that so i am super excited for hololens when it becomes more mainstream and something that we can all own and buy and, and play with um, I will look
0: forward to buying. It. Apparently, you can pre-order them now, but they are still not available. Some people are concerned that the first time they're going to see a HoloLens is when it's uh, on the head of a military person heading towards them. So. <laughs> and that segues nicely into the next story.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> we don't really applaud but that was amazing. <laughs> so, uh, Microsoft employees are have been protesting the Army contract. And so, this is basically a $500 million contract With the Integrated Visual Augmentation System, or IVES, uh, with the Army to integrate HoloLens technology. Uh, Employees wrote to both the president of the company and to Sacha, uh, basically saying that they feel that this has crossed the line into weapons development. Uh, Employees are calling for Microsoft to cancel the contract, cease development on weapons technology, and appoint a new independent ethics committee. To review these type of scenarios in the future to prevent Microsoft getting into this business. At the time of recording, there was about 200 plus employees signed, And then uh, the CEO responded on Monday. And basically said, they're not going to walk away. <laughs> they believe that we have made a principled decision that we are not going to withhold technology from institutions that we have elected in democracies to protect freedoms we enjoy, Sacha told CNN in an interview. Uh, we are very transparent about that decision and we'll continue to have that dialogue with employees. So uh, a little bit of tension, of a, my Redmond, about this topic. What do you guys think?
0: You know, it must be the, the bane of technology over the years. Uh, at some point, we used to use horses and then we had... Internal combustion engines, and did people complain that the the uh, the war machine would use internal combustion engines in tanks? I as, as technology has marched on, it's it's been used for defence and offence. I guess it, I don't think it's any reason to um, to complain. It's just it's just a use. I mean, we don't complain that. They have TVs, uh, you know, or, or displays in fighter jets, just because Philips and Sony invented the those flat panels years ago. It's um, it's bizarre. I I, I go back to what uh, Jeff Bezos said around the Amazon deal with um, with the facial recognition again, and I I think I, I applaud Satya in continuing you know telling telling the workers that it's the right thing to do.
2: I think it's pretty interesting that this made our radar. So of 131,000 employees at Microsoft, 200 signed the letter. And we get to hear about it. I think that's cool side effect of the world we live in right now, uh, that we get to hear that. But I couldn't agree more with Sacha. I think he he just nailed it. So it's not the technology. It's what you do with it. It's who's making the decisions, and we're electing those people. So we need to focus more on electing people that are going to do the right thing with those technologies, and way less on thinking that we're going to control uh, like Microsoft is going to control access to technology from the government.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Um, This reminds me a lot of some parallels to a book I read. Um, So, you know, as we, coming from very Western countries, you know, we have a very specific view of sci-fi. And so, you know, typically Americans make first contact, we go to the moon first, we do all these things first. And so our sci-fi is very bent from our perspective of what we think ideal ideal society looks like, right? Um, But if you've ever read The Three-Body Problem, um, it's a fantastic book uh, written by a Chinese author, and uh, it's sci-fi um, written from a Chinese perspective. And so it's you know it's is a translated book, so there's it's got a few issues <laughs> in the translation to English, but a really fascinating perspective on what it would be like to make first contact with an alien race. Um, if you weren't American oh. <laughs> and what would that look like? And, you know, with Chinese ideals back in the sixties and seventies during the great revolutions there and the Tiananmen square and all that, um, it's a very interesting perspective of what would happen and what the fallout of that decision was. And it, it's a fantastic book series. It's, it's a little bit lengthy and it's a little bit dry at times, but it, it's really fantastic and, uh, you know, I guess it's an Audible plug here if you are looking for an Audible recommendation. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> this comment about, you know, we, we choose the democracies that we want to protect our freedoms. It's very much reminds me of that book. Uh, so just kind of interesting. For you, the listeners of the Cloud Pod podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook downloaded with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash thecloudpod. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash the cloud pod for your free audiobook.
0: It's a fallacy to think that if, if Microsoft doesn't sell this technology, nobody will invent this technology. Nobody else will come along and do exactly the same thing. What HoloLens is, is a variation on previous work, and other people will come along and they'll improve on HoloLens in the future. So I think. It's kind of like uh, restricting access to information never does anybody any good. I think restricting access to this technology won't do anybody any good either.
1: Totally agree. And our final story for tonight, Google has ended forced arbitration for employees. So as of March 21st, current and future employees will no longer be forced to use arbitration to settle disputes with Google. Uh, they will not reopen any settlement that's settled. So if you uh, were disgruntled at one point and had an arbitration case settled, you cannot reopen it. And this is, follows up them eliminating arbitration for forms of harassment, including sexual harassment, uh, in November. So this now covers all forms of harassment, uh, wrongful termination, all of those type of things that you would potentially involve in. involved uh, in. Is interesting choice. Uh, They do also have this for contractors, but it is not a forcing function for the contracting agency. It's really um, if those are passed down to you and you have an issue with how Google treated you as a contractor, you can also potentially um, go through this process if there's not an arbitration
0: agreement in between. Why did they end up with this clause in the contracts to begin with?
1: Many, many, many companies in the Silicon Valley have these arbitration uh, clauses in their employment agreements. Um, and it's basically a way to prevent them from getting sued um, over all kinds of different things. And it's supposed to be less costly for the company to deal with these lawsuits or frivolous lawsuits. And by forcing it into binding arbitration, you know, you're know you able to hopefully get a resolve for much less cost. That's the big driver for it. It's why companies adopted it in mass uh, sometime in the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, and I've seen this in many employment contracts that I've signed in the past.
2: Yeah, I mean, even if you look at like Uh, CBAs for uh, collective bargaining agreements between unions and uh, employers. This is very common Uh, arbitration. the, The goal of arbitration is to limit the cost on both sides.
1: Well, if you win your case, typically you don't have to pay for your lawyer. So. That's true,
2: but if you lose, <laughs> really,
1: if you lose, you have. To if you pay. lose, you do what uh, you do, end up having to pay uh, <laughs> on that side. So, but, but yeah, no, I, I think it's interesting. You know, we talked a couple weeks ago about Liz Fung Jones and you know why she was leaving Google. We talked about uh, you know some of the issues Google's been having with employees and and discrimination and different things. And so, you know, this might actually be an interesting path to real change in some of the labor relations with employees um, at big tech companies. And I'm curious to see. if anybody follows suit follows Google's lead in ending forced arbitration for employees because you know if you really want to make a big change the way you would do that in the past was with a class action lawsuit against your employer about how they're treating uh, a whole group of workers or something and that resulted in you know labor protections and different things and unionization back in the you know back many many years ago. All right so well, that's all the great news for this week. Let's move on to the lightning round.
2: All right, today we've got a, a wonderful list. I can't wait to get into it. all right here we go. are you guys ready? Everybody's ready. EFS supports tags on create.
1: Well, I guess if you want to track that really expensive storage, you should
0: try tag it. I you were going to say that first, so there you go. You win. (laughs) You get the first point.
2: (laughs) Always, always be tagging. How can that not possibly be an MVP thing? AWS CodeCommit now supports programmatic creations
0: of commits. This is so the AI that's going to replace all the software engineering Teams can uh, commit the code it's writing for us. Damn you. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: didn't even think about that. That's actually fantastic. I was actually thinking it would be used for potentially writing like a CMS or something on top of static website builders, you know, like Jekyll or different things or something with Amplify, right, where potentially you maybe want to write a blog post on a website and then submit it through a post action to, a, and then have that get committed into the code so your build pipeline could fire. But yours is much better. <laughs> Ooh. Git as a database.
0: I don't know. (laughs) I've done worse to Git. (laughs) Yeah, really. (laughs) Oh, talking about Git. I had somebody ask me the other day how they could store a 5-gig object in in the the Git repo. (laughs)
1: Let me introduce you to S3.
0: (laughs) Oh, no, it can't go on S3. It's it's a critical asset that needs to be versioned. (laughs) It needs to be versioned. Let me introduce you to (laughs) (laughs) Artifactory. Exactly.
2: (laughs) All right, performance insights now supports counter metrics for RDS Postgres, RDS MySQL and Aurora MySQL. Does it count how many times people migrated from Oracle?
1: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, this performance dashboard they created, this this got announced at ADA, uh, ReInvent. Um, and, you know, it was initially very focused on Aurora Postgres at College. So it's nice to see this getting expanded. I didn't think it would touch RDS. So that's an interesting turn of events. And so I, I'm glad to see them getting more visual visualizations of metrics and really thinking about how people want to interact with data from CloudWatch. And so this is a nice improvement. Nice yeah, always, good job. Yeah
2: more monitoring the better and especially in rds where it's a managed service where sometimes you can't get in there and put the tools in you want to put in as much visibility as we can get i don't know how many customers are always looking for things like long running queries and other interesting insights they can get from uh from a tool plug that thing in they don't want to manage their own all right amazon ec2 fleets now let
0: you increase target capacity limits so ec2 fleets now let you spend 10 times as much money Excellent.
1: Wasn't that point of fleets to reduce costs?
0: I thought this was one of the things
2: spot inst automated. It is. Mm. <laughs> All right. Amazon data lifecycle manager adds supports for shorter backup intervals. For people who didn't know, I, I think the intervals prior were like twelve and twenty-four hour uh intervals. Now they're down to two, four, six, eight included in the mix.
0: This may be the only time you hear that being shorter is good <laughs> or better.
2: <laughs> we have a winner.
1: Uh, I, I'm actually more impressed that this is like the tenth product from Amazon in the last six months that does backups and it, scheduling of backups. Like 12, 12 contenders come into the ring to see who can do backups the best, and only one will live by next reinvent.
0: It's all right at the end of the year. The reinvent they'll announce the uh, the the unified backup console, which manages all of these different backup solutions. Yeah, makes perfect sense. The yes. very
2: first <laughs> project we where we automated backups were on. To meet a one-hour RPO, and we're still an hour off. I'm so bummed. But hey, two hours is better than 12. Well,
0: you can, you can just run it uh, like on on the uh, different intervals. Run one every two hours, and then run the other one starting an hour later. Odd backup hours.
2: and even backup, two jobs.
0: Yep, yeah, even and odd, yeah. That's why I make the big yeah. bucks. <laughs>
2: Azure Monitor AI Ops now supports alerts with dynamic thresholds.
1: So I can't wait till the dynamic threshold sometimes gets messed up and I get woken up at 3 a.m. in the morning by the machine learning AI that just told me that the database server has only 3% CPU utilization. Too low.
2: It's too low. (laughs) It's always been four. Why is it three?
1: Normally one, then it went to three, and now it's paging me because it's it's a deviation. Great.
2: Uh, For this one, uh, note all jokes aside, so many people want to monitor everything, and nobody knows what to monitor, and nobody can set their thresholds right, and everyone sets their thresholds too low, so they get bombarded with alerts, and then everybody ignores all the alerts. I think this is a great place to start. I think all of our monitoring solutions should be built like this to start, and then if we don't want to use it, we don't have to, but it should be an option. So I think it's super cool.
1: Well, it would be nice if you know companies that are still using very dated monitoring technologies would push those open source projects to get things like dynamic thresholds so looking at you Nagios. come on dynamic Threshold yeah Institute.
2: okay my uh, mysql and mariah rds instances now support t3 and r5 instances oh wait i'm stuck stop- uh, can we go back to mariah? Mariah. maria i can't say maria it's like a it's just a person I, uh, maria okay
1: maria but i mariah. so i mean this is great I'm slightly more insulted that they felt this was two press release worth of news, that this wasn't just one press release. (laughs) Two separate stories, two separate teams. One press release for T3, one press release for R5. Let's do them both within two
0: days of each other. Go. No, this is two, two sprint teams, the T team and the R team.
1: I, I hope that sprint teams are not divided by instance types. <laughs> they in, were they in a
0: race? I went, oh,
2: they came out the same day though. Oh, did they? I thought they were a couple two, days apart. Twenty nineteen oh two. Oh, maybe they did. Yeah, that's uh, just the month. That's February. That's all it means. Yeah. <laughs> who won? I wonder who won. Should we? Should we see who was the winner? Maybe it was a race. Who can integrate faster with RDS? Somebody won.
0: I like that it's two press releases because now if you need to go to your manager and say, "Hey, look, it supports this new instance size," you can get to pick which one you show them. It's like, if... yeah. <laughs>
1: Uh, so they were both the same day, both February 21st, uh, but I, I don't know which one came out first. I had to go back to the RSS feed.
2: Okay, uh, Amazon FSX for Windows now supports on-prem access. Okay, come on, this is great
1: for migration. If you really want to enable this bad practice of accessing Sift servers, why wouldn't you just use the storage gateway? Why would I need to do this from
2: migration migration move the stuff there and then you could point to the new source during the getover, and then you off. know
1: how long it would take you to move SIFS data over a direct connect with fsx for the SIFS and smb protocol like come on
0: no
2: robocopy what about robocopy no, that's,
0: that's all <laughs>
1: terrible ideas like put it put it put it on s3 ship it to data, you know, put it on a, on a vault or one of those snowball things, you ship it there, you put it back on S3, and you copy it to your FSX. That's how you do this. Like, why why overcomplicate this problem?
0: If I don't know if FSX supports um, replicating data between two shares with a DFS configuration. But if it does, then that's kind of cool, because now you really do have a really seamless migration path, no matter how long it takes to get your... Uh, Junk data from SIPS to, to the cloud.
1: I guess that would be interesting. And if it was, like I said, if this was a feature of the storage appliance and that was all magic in the background, I would be happy with this. But this, this to me was, you can access it over Direct Connect or a VPN tunnel, which to me is just latency to an SMB protocol. I don't know that I want this. Uh,
0: it's probably backed by um, the NLB and the NLBs uh, of been a bit laggy in supporting access through gateway devices like Direct Connect gateway or VPN gateway. So this is this is definitely a network of change, which has enabled this announcement.
2: Yeah, more to come, I bet, with more services.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
2: All right, RoboMaker now supports multiple languages, tagging, and cloud formation.
1: I can't wait till the robots are taking over, and when he's about to kill me, I can say, what's your cost tag? <laughs>
0: CloudFormation update? No, it's, just, oh, no, it's I'm sorry, sir. Why? <laughs> yeah,
1: I do look forward to that as well. Like your robot, your you know, your Ro- your Roomba is now getting its its updates from CloudFormation, It has to roll back. It's it's not good.
0: Was so <laughs> do like sp- spit all the, the, the dust back out in the in the living room or something? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, it unvacuums.
2: <laughs> Terrible. Azure now supports TypeScript in functions.
1: If your choice of function language is TypeScript. I would strongly recommend you look at other language choices. Just not Node.js. Not do it. Just not that one. No. <laughs> Why don't you just come on over to the Python camp or to the Golang camp or at this point with TypeScript, maybe even the .NET camp.
2: Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I was hoping TypeScript <laughs> was a font. <laughs> Azure announces GA of Java support in Azure Functions.
1: Well, I guess you know, is this the final sign that hell's frozen over over there at Microsoft. They're now supporting Java as a function. <laughs> like, I thought it was bad enough when they support Linux. Now they're supporting Java.
2: <laughs> well, wait till they support Coretta. Did anybody check with Oracle to make sure this okay? maybe,
1: maybe Microsoft should Maybe Microsoft should come up with their own version of Java,
0: and it could be yeah. Cappuccino or something just to be obnoxious.
2: I just want to know if they checked in with uh with
0: Oracle before they release this. I have my my uh, fingers crossed that that case gets thrown out against against Oracle. That's just yeah. is is that it's, they're still
1: deliberating on that, aren't they? Like they're it's they're presenting their cases. It's not it's in trial. Right? Yeah.
0: Oh no, they lost. They they they. they I don't, okay. Well, yeah, it's right. It's going for so, appeal. yeah, it's
1: back, back
2: it's for right. appeal now. Yeah. And last one, AWS well architected tool now
0: supports on prem well-architected reviews. I can hear it now. Hey, your architecture kind of sucks. We think you should move to the cloud.
1: <laughs> I, I like this as a whole press release just to create an extra data center type that is a field, it's a text field. <laughs> uh,
2: as a well-architected practitioner um, with Foghorn, I would, uh, I'm super, actually super curious because tons of the well-architected framework is around how you do things differently uh, in the cloud. And so I, I'm actually kind of interested to dig in and see how you do an on-prem architecture. But it'll be kind of fun. I'm looking forward to it.
1: What what happens if it, if I don't have VMware and I don't have virtualization and I don't have containers like that? Yeah, that would be interesting. I I think about it from that perspective. You should let us know on that since you're since you're I'm sure you're on top of this as you're, as you guys are cloud practitioners. Let us know what this looks like I I and mean, if it's drastically different. I'm going to
2: I'm going to offer to do this for free to one of our customers and if somebody on the podcast is listening and wants to come in and take me up on this and they have a workload they want to do i'd be happy to do a on-prem well architected with the tool and run it through run it uh run through it with them and see how it goes so do we have a way for them to they'll, they'll email us you'll send it to me they,
1: they can send feedback on the website so if you you go to the cloudpod.net um you can send feedback on our feedback form or you can tweet us uh with hashtag the cloudpod, so there's multiple options how to reach us. Or um you can at Twitter us, uh, CloudPod1,
2: if you want to. Perfect. Multiple ways. Awesome. Yeah, please do so. And I would be happy to do it for free.
1: Yeah. So, so who won the lightning round today, Peter? Oh,
2: shorter is better. It has to take it. I can't beat that. Shorter is <laughs> better. Sorry, man. Puts the Jonathan back in the lead
0: again. Hey, <laughs> I, I stepped up my game. I didn't read any of the other research for the week <laughs> i just i just yeah,
1: I mean, the, cool tools is on vacation <laughs> this week because you didn't do the homework so you know it's fine that's right it's, it's totally fine yep,
0: that's yeah. that's right i had to invest the time in the lightning round this week especially after last week's crushing defeat oh yeah that was brutal. oh that was brutal. yeah it
1: was brutal but it was yeah it, we all knew that was going to happen when cory came on like there was just no doubt yeah
0: <laughs> just Justin sent me a text message Well, while, while we're doing the lightning round are you still alive i'm like no <laughs> <laughs>
1: It, it, the fun thing about Corey is that that, that is Corey, twenty four seven. Like I, I've met him at you know different events, and I've had dinner with him a few times, and that is just Corey. Like that is just him, every day. Uh, anyways, all right, guys, that's it for this week. We'll see you guys all next week at the clap pod. Alright, see ya. See you guys.